Hey, this is Spencer, and welcome to the Let's Talk About Gay Stuff podcast. Woohoo! The podcast where we talk about gay stuff and discuss LGBTQ plus history. You know me as the guy who keeps the sound in check and gets the Let's Talk About Gay Stuff episodes out each week. You may also know me from our Spoopy podcast, bringing you the latest and greatest in true crime and horror. And our Rupee podcast, bringing you the latest and greatest in televised drag competitions. But we're here to talk about other gay stuff, right? The guys are still out on their little break after bringing you 114 consecutive weeks of laughs and learning about LGBTQ plus history. We didn't want to leave you empty-handed or cut you off cold turkey, so lucky you, we're still giving you the flavor of the week in LGBTQ plus history while the guys are on a break. Of course, before I tell you about what we're going to discuss, we have to give a shout-out to our friends and sponsor, Big Bones, for helping us get these episodes out each week. A recent Gallup poll shows that Americans have reported feeling stress, worry, and anger in the highest levels in over a decade. While we are growing more and more aware of the effects of our stress on our bodies and minds, we may not have considered the effects that our stress can have on our pets. According to studies, there is a synchronization between stress hormones in humans and their dogs. If you are a dog parent, you probably know that your pup is very good at reading your body language and can quickly pick up on how you're feeling. We're always working to reduce our own stress in any way that we can, but what about the anxiety we may have passed on to our dogs? Big Bones has a solution. CBD has been shown to help reduce stress and anxiety in both humans and dogs, and Big Bones has your dog covered. Made from organic, human-grade ingredients and full-spectrum hemp oil, their bones may offer some relief to your anxious pup. Check out BigBones.com for more information on CBD for dogs and other benefits it may provide. Big Bones offers free shipping on all orders over $25, and you can save 15% using promo code GAYSTUFF15. Big Bones is LGBTQ owned and operated and is based in Houston, Texas. Big Bones proudly donates 10% of all, no, all profits to no-kill shelters in the U.S. Need your bones ASAP or want to support small businesses? Big Bones are now available at Man Ready Mercantile in the Houston Heights or at Man Ready Mercantile on South Congress in Austin. So, this week we will remember 9-11. It's been 20 years. It's hard to fathom that. I mean, I was in the fifth grade when uh, it happened, and... I didn't understand really the magnitude of what was going on. And uh, now looking back on it 20 years later, it's a, a world-changing event. Things, are, things will never be the same that they were before. And we live in a new world and we'll all adjust to that, but it's important to remember what happened on that day and, and the lives that were lost. So... Uh, in one of the earlier episodes, the guys discussed the events of 9-11 and talked about some other victims and heroes from that day, including three LGBTQ plus heroes, Father Michael F. Judge, David Charbois, and Mark Bingham. So here you go. The guys remember that sad day on September 11th, 2001. Welcome to Let's Talk About Gay Stuff! The podcast where we talk about gay stuff and discuss the week in LGBT plus history. We are Thomas. Tony. Kendall. And we're going to talk about some gay stuff with you. All right. So this week we're reviewing the week of September 8th through September 14th. And we'll discuss the topics of the premiere of the Golden. Disgust. Yeah. The, if it's us, yes. Well, someone will say something disgusting. Uh, we'll discuss the premiere of the Golden Girls. 
we'll discuss 9-11, and we'll talk about the premiere of the Ellen DeGeneres show. So it will be a lively discussion, I'm sure. Um, those are I'm all some, sure. some good topics. I think ones that we're all passionate about. Um, so that will be interesting. Before we, before we um, dive in to the, our topics this week, uh, what's going on? Anything happen? Anything exciting? We finished our retreat last week. We had our ListenWorks retreat. Which I think went well. We only had we had the um, the trust fall, and unfortunately we didn't catch Kendall, and he face planted, and uh, the brain damage set in long ago. And so now he's got better from falling. Well, that's what I was gonna say. I think you've become a new person since our retreat. What's happened this week with you, Kendall? Anything new? Well, the last little Facebook Live video we did last week, it paused on my face, and I thought, oh, when did John Goodman join the podcast? <laughs> I just Shut looked. I, it was I, the biggest I'd ever been. Are you so serious? it was like a wake-up call. Yeah, I look like fat bastard from <laughs> one of those Austin. Powers I thought you movies. looked great, but anyways, <laughs> yeah. you were looking stunning. Okay. Anyway, I looked like I was being choked to death, but that's okay because now I've used it to develop an obsessive, unhealthy <laughs> exercise habit, <laughs> and I run like twice a day. Wait. So you went from napping four times a day to running? Oh, I don't nap. I don't even know what that. I don't that's even sleep. That's what I'm saying. You don't even sleep anymore. So I, I was. I spend all my hours planning my. I diet. was joking, but that is exactly what happened to Karen Carpenter. She saw a photo of herself, and she's like, <gasps> "I know that hit a nerve." Yes, that hit a gay nerve. And then she's like, "Oh my god, I need to starve myself." Karen Carpenter, by the way, well, that's not going to happen to me. I don't even want to say it. I don't want to. It's already about happening. That. You've had nothing but. She one died of anorexia. <laughs> I don't want to joke about that. But no, I've lost weight. I'm feeling fabulous. How much weight are have you lost? Fabulous. Are you are you trying to do you have a, a weight loss goal? Not that you're fat. So this I just want to be able to fit in one pair of shorts or pants. Oh, because you had that post in the span of like two months. I popped four buttons, nice, and had to become a seamstress. I had to become a Korean seamstress. Ugh, that's happened to me before. Thomas split his pants, and I had to fix them. Yeah, and I have split pants that I need to. I yeah, several pairs. Of, so I got a sewing kit and did a lot. I just want to be able to not have to lay on the bed to button my pants. You had uh, you apparently you said you had you were your house was broken into. Is that what happened? Well, yeah, I'm assuming someone initially until I saw that video of me as fat bastard thought somebody came broken and must have retailed on my pants uh, for a much more petite man. Naturally, so now you're saying you you've refiled the uh, police report and said, hey, that's not not the case. You know, I'm just gonna take it as a blessing that someone came in and. and Made my pants a little bit smaller, and I'm going to use it as encouragement. Right, to, exactly. Yeah. Nice. Well, to pro- be we can see the progress already. Yes, I mean. looking great. Your skin looks really good. Well, tiny baby Asian pookie butt Ben, my boyfriend, is going. He left today for two weeks for Indonesia. So when he comes back, I want to be standing at the airport in the rain in a trench coat, umbrella, and he'd be like, "I'm just looking for my lover." <laughs> Where is he? Have you seen like, him? It's me. Sir, can you help me? Have you seen yeah, him? Yeah, exactly. He's so tiny, he won't recognize me. And he just walk, goes away with you, not even knowing that he's yeah. really you. And then he, he he thinks he's sleeping with someone else. Yes. Scandal. That sounds like a Ooh, soap opera. I love it. Yeah. Wow. So stay tuned. In all two right. weeks' episodes, you'll hear all about it. <laughs> I can't wait till next week's episode <laughs> to see where we are. <laughs> 100 pounds lighter. Yeah. Right. He's completely, completely thinned out. Yeah. That, um, Don't get obsessive. Yeah, that's uh, well. That's good. as unknown to do. Well, I uh, and I, with and I do guess you? just just to clarify, right? One, um, you're not on. A, I mean, you're on a diet, but it's not an unhealthy diet. And two, uh, no one broke into your house. So before anyone 
uh, comes back and says, "Oh my gosh!" It Poor starts Kendall. a GoFundMe campaign for you for your, you know your belongings. It's a web of lies. You never know what to believe. <laughs> That's our host, everybody, Kendall Yay. Satcher. Oops. <laughs> All right. The researcher. The researcher. The one that does his master research on all the topics, like we all do. During the podcast. <laughs> During the podcast. That's why he always likes to go last, which ironically you did re- declare de- request to go thing. last. He's still Googling right now. He's like, who's <laughs> Ellen DeGeneres? Yeah. Think about I it. use Ash Jeeves. He's <laughs> I'm of an older generation. Oh, my Ash God. Jeeves. I hadn't – I'd forgotten about Ash Jeeves. I hadn't heard that in, like, years. Ask Jeeves. <laughs> like, 10 plus – Microfish. Yeah, you're reminding me of like that. Was that mi- before Wikipedia, right? Ask Jeeves. Yeah. You have a microfish. Hello. Keep starfish. A, <laughs> a starfish. A star butt. What is it? A rosebud. That's what it is. All right. This oh. is classy. Yeah. Thank you. I don't yeah. even know what that is. Don't <laughs> taint me. Just hey. Google it, rosebud, everyone. Don't <laughs> Google it. Please don't. <laughs> oh Do your gosh. own research on this one. <laughs> Oh my God! That's that's uh, oh. That's a topic Google for images. next week. Martha always sends that nasty picture of that ro- that guy's roses are beautiful. Uh, How did she get a picture of a guy's rosebud? Because we looked she it up one it time. She saved it on her phone. Yeah. And sends it every mm-hmm. every now and again. She likes to send mm-hmm. it about once a month at two a.m. Yeah, she's like, "Hey y'all, love you." And then the next photo is like, "Oh my God!" Like, okay, that's not a rosebud. Yeah, pretty 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 gross. Anyways, anything else happened, Tony? How was your week? That was good. Yeah. Um, y'all know that rainstorm that went through Houston? Oh, yeah. It was kind of crazy. So my building, it completely shattered a bunch of glass doors. Oh, my. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was working from one of the coffee shops here, and, like, all his uh, – his, uh, his the the owners he was out there trying to because his, his chairs were in the middle of the street that so yeah. causing a disruption in traffic so oh. yeah, but Spencer was my hero and he brought me an umbrella he so he got himself Aww. put himself in a little raincoat and came and brought me an umbrella and, but then he walked back and got soaked so but thank you Spencer. it was just a little crazy strawberry shortcake umbrella with ruffles. yeah it was very nice you know what I just realized so we're taping this a few days before um, right Labor Day yep it's Southern Decadence in New Orleans which right. is a huge gay fest yeah. And God sent the hurricane to Miami to wipe out the gays there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just saw someone post on he something, got the weekend wrong. something on Facebook the saying that it might go over to New Orleans. He's, he is uh, new, he is in New Orleans, and I think he meant that in a sexual way. Anyways, we uh, cut. I cut off your story. Oh, he said New Orleans, I'm in you. Yeah, New Orleans, Ooh. I'm in you. There you Have go. Have you all been to Southern Decadence? Uh, I've not. Uh, I was there that weekend, and I went down there for like half a day. Did you go like down to Southern Decadence? Or yeah. yeah. Did you, okay. Yeah. Let me. Did you go down in Southern Decadence? Hello. Yeah. We were like. Let me describe to you. Did y'all you go to Rawhide? Never been to Southern Decadence. It's a huge gay. It started out as a leather, gay basically convention in New Orleans every Labor Day weekend. Um, and every year they're like, anytime there's a hurricane anywhere, they say it's because of Southern, the Christian, pearl right. clutching women, say it's because of Southern Decadence. I'm like, you sure know a lot about Southern Decadence. Mm. Okay. Um, That's because her husband was there. Yeah. But it's always so hot, and the whole city Ugh. smells like a soup of just balls and rosebuds. And it's gross. <laughs> rosebuds. Yeah, just yeah. gay corpses. And the, mm-hmm. Yeah. My coworker's there. It's a very raunchy weekend. I was going to go one year, and then I didn't. I was going two years ago. It was Harvey, uh, but Harvey hit. And so I got stuck in Chicago, and then all the planes out of Houston. I managed to get back to Houston, but the planes weren't leaving Houston, so I didn't get to go. So okay. I went to Austin and said to whatever going on. Oh, they have a festival, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Splash or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was okay. It was the nice. first time I went to Decadence, I went upstairs at a bar, 
good friends i think it was and there was a big tarp on the pool table and i'm like why is there a tarp on the pool table how are we going to play pool and like 10 minutes later it was a live fisting, fisting. Ooh. at least they put a part uh tarp down so well they're classy nice. yeah <laughs> right yeah gotta protect the felt that's yeah. actually my favorite bar in new orleans good friends good my friends? favorite gay bar because it's just like a neighborhood bar it's the just fisting? no they don't do that normally. Normally, it's a pretty clean bar. It is, yeah. yeah. They just put the pinky in. Rawhide, though, that's pretty raunchy. It's well, Rawhide, I went to. That's the only time I went to. No, actually, I went to Rawhide one other time. Rawhide is like the sketchiest um, bar in New Orleans, which is fine if you're into that stuff. Tell so, me it's okay. So, okay. But it's no women allowed. Yeah. I don't know if it is now. So here's my story about Rawhide. My, my friend, he had broken up with his boyfriend of like three years, whatever, and he goes... I just need a weekend in New Orleans. I was like, or he goes, I need a weekend away. I was like, let's go to New Orleans. So we drive over. It wasn't decadence. It was just some normal weekend. So we drive over, and we get to the hotel. We're like, okay, let's just – it was like Friday afternoon. So we're like, let's just kind of bar hop to the gay bars. So we go to this one, that one, and we end up at Rawhide, and it's probably like 5 o'clock or something like that. <laughs> in the afternoon? Yeah, so like nice. there were like literally three people in there. I'd never, I didn't know what it was. I'd never been there. So we're sitting there, and all of a sudden they start closing all the – because they have, like, three entrances and all these windows. And so they started bolting the two entrances, closing all the windows. They put the metal shades. Oh, my. And he goes to the bartender, he goes, what's going on? And they said, oh, we're getting ready for the night. They're like, once it hits dark, yeah, yeah, like, no women allowed. Like, there's shit goes on here. And he goes, oh, my God, we need to come back after dinner. I was like, okay. (laughs) Did you go back? We did. All right. Yeah. Yeah, I went with my – best friend at the time and we go in and it's so packed and dark you can't make out what they're doing until your eyes adjust and you realize yeah people are doing it people are like circling around like a cattle like like a herd of cattle they're just like grazing around here's the thing you know how they have the bar and then it's almost like a doorway back to the pool area pool table area so um we're there we're like watching all this shit and everything and then we come back to houston and my friend's friend, we're like, he's like, oh, what'd you do this week? And we're like, oh, we went to New Orleans. And we said, oh, yeah, we went to Rawhide. And he goes, you know, sometimes the cops will just be assholes and they'll bust it. And if you're in the pool table area, you can get hauled in. Like, if you're, apparently it's understood. If you're in the bar area, they're just like, leave. But you can get hauled to jail if you're in the back area. Because they just assume anybody in the back area is oh, doing stuff. Whether they catch you doing, doing something or not. Yeah, because apparently that's the thing. Like, you can't do anything in the bar. You have to do it in the pool area. And so if you're back there, they just assume you're doing shit. And I was like, if we would have gotten arrested, <laughs> I would have fucking killed you. That was always my biggest fear, like going to a, a CD place like that. It was just like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to get busted. And then what am I going to tell the people at work? Like, that'll be Because he said sometimes the cops apparently are just assholes and they'll go in there. And... That's why I ran Well, I was my, my female best friend and somebody was getting – he was leaned over the, the bar getting was, plowed. So was apparently there a tarp? he was – he was not in the pool area. He was at the bar area. Oh. And he said, you're not welcome here. <laughs> As he's being, like, rammed from behind. Well, <laughs> because thought, she was a female. I thought, like, like when I was there, they said women, like, women could go there during the day, but um, after dark, they couldn't. Yeah. But crazy. But it doesn't need to be raw high, because we went one time to, <laughs> the, what was the place um, that you used to like going to? You and Martha, Kendall. Church. Well, Church, yes. No, the one with the sing-alongs on Sundays, um, which is now uh, run by lesbians. Um, Bourbon Pub. Bourbon Pub, yeah. We were there one time. with And, and stuff happened? Well, well, one, the strippers were all, I mean, you could basically pull their junk out and grab it, and that's, versus I've never seen that anywhere else, So, and the strippers are okay with that. So that's part of the culture there, right? The second thing is we were there, 
uh, doing Sunday fun day and we were hanging with his friends and one of his friends uh, was basically having a circle jerk with some boys at the bar and and Kendall like shook one of their hands. He's like, oh my gosh, I just got pre-cum on my hand. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) And then he wiped it on me because that's what he does. And I'm like, I don't want that. Wow. Because at first he's wiping his hands on me, and I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I just got pre-cum on me. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Disgusting. Hi, Yolanda. Gays are disgusting. (laughs) Yeah, that's... (laughs) This is why I hang out with lesbians. My dad was right, Kendall. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, so that's that's, uh, New Orleans. Uh, We'll be uh, invading New Orleans in a few weeks, so that'll be fun. Um, But we we totally cut off your, your story, Tony. Like, you were saying that you're... The storm hit, and your office got... Uh, oh, that was it. Like they, this, yeah, my building, like several glass doors got busted oh, out. Thank goodness we started to talk oh. about New Orleans, because yeah. the story was not Should exciting. Made something up. <laughs> I know. It was like, and someone got decapitated. Well, no, something. I'm kidding. All right. Well, I, and I, of course, I had to ride my bike home in the rain. But did you? I was thinking about you when that thank rain you. hit, because mm. I was like, I wonder if Tony rode his bike, because I saw a bunch of people just getting soaked. At, yeah. No, what I did at is... <laughs> I just stayed, stayed no, at work late, storm. and... Finished and by seven it was gone. So I just went. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, uh, so that was uh, that's good. So Kendall's on a diet on his way to living his best life, and uh, Tony had an exciting week at work, and we're we had a good story on New Orleans. So let's uh, let's dive in. I've got no segue for this because this is gonna get. Do you you get? We're yeah, good with we're Golden, good on Girls? The Golden Girls. All right. So I'm gonna talk about 9/11 and try not to get to like too. I'm not going to say I'm not going to get deep because what I, I do want to talk about 9-11 just because it's I main the question comes up between from our host and from our sister podcast or swoopy podcast host, Chris, who's like, what does that have to do with like gay stuff? And I, I think that 9-11, regardless of whether you're gay, straight, black, white, Hispanic, whatever, uh, it impacts the our culture and not just the U.S. I mean. Having worked for a global company, you know, you realize the impact 9-11 had on, on the globe, right? I mean, it was a, you know, here is the U.S., this big superpower that everyone looked up to, uh, and then just got attacked on September 11th. Uh, and it started, at, you know, on September 11th uh, on, on the East Coast, everything, it was, it was a nice day. If you, if you ever lived on the East Coast this time, you know, in sep- early September time frame, it's starting to oh, cool bet, down. Yeah. Although I was looking at the weather here in Houston and swearing at spencer not at spencer but i'm like how the frick is it still going to be 100 degrees this week so because it's like why is it still hot here but if you're on the east coast it's like it's cooling down you've got cooler temperatures the sun comes up like when the sun the weather is nice this time of year in september kendall you can back me up like it's like september and april like the sun comes out it shines it's like nothing and so it was a really nice day in new york and in dc um the event started 7.59, 7.59, just before 8 o'clock, when uh, American Airlines uh, Flight 11 has 92 people on it, and they're taking off from Boston. They're en route to L.A., and then 15 minutes later, you've got United Airlines Flight 175 with 65 people taking a similar path from Boston to L.A. Of course, we know that they're going to uh, reroute to, to New York City. Um, and then a few, five minutes later, you've got uh, American Airlines Flight 11. Uh, well, no, so sorry, 819 uh, Flight 
uh, 11 from American Airlines indicates that their plane has been hijacked. So at that point, the, the, the country is on notice, although it's just with the FAA, right? The, con- the country yeah. officially is not on notice, but that's when things start to move into motion, like this, this attack is, is happening. On 820, at 8.20, uh, American Airlines Flight 77 uh, takes off from Dallas that has 64 people on it. And then at 8.40, you, you hear the FAA, they notify NORAD, which is kind of the, the defense crew, to say, hey, you need to go track flight, flight 11 uh, to, because th- they've indicated that they're being hijacked. Of course, the defense group doesn't make it, and um, just a minute later, uh, you, you well, moments later, you're going to see the, the Flight 11 uh, crash into the North Tower. At 8.41, you've got Flight 93. That's taking off from Newark to San Francisco. Uh, that has 44 people on it. Um, you know, that one's interesting because I was, as you look at the time, right, they leave at 7.59, 8.14, and 8.20. 8.41's a little bit later, mm-hmm. uh, but that one is actually scheduled to leave at 8, so there was a, a delay there, um, but nonetheless, it still kind of runs its course. So at 8.46, uh, that's when the first plane crashes into the North Tower, uh, and immediately you've got, you know, the panic, right, from the from the New York Police department and fire department, uh, they go into the scene. Uh, at 8.50, that's the iconic picture where uh, George W. Bush is getting notified uh, uh, yeah. from his uh, chief of staff there in the, the elementary school, school classroom yeah. uh, there in where Florida. Where he was a student. Yeah, where he was a student. Uh, and then at 19, uh, sorry, at 9.02, you've got the South to- Tower. Uh, that is yet to, to be hit, but it, uh, they're ordered to evacuate, but just a minute later, uh, flight 175 hits the the South Tower. Uh, so at, at this point, every, it's starting to become very very real. Um, I was still in bed because I was so all these times are on the East Coast. Uh, this stuff is happening. Uh, I was going to school at A and M at the yeah. time, uh, and so just waking up when all this stuff happened. So where are you guys when when this is taking down? I was a down? freshman at LSU. I had gone out the night before. Slept through all my classes, and my dorm roommate came in at 2.30 p.m. and said, You're still sleeping? He said, The White House is gone. The Pentagon, apparently, he was not watching all the news, but all the rumors wow. were rampant. He told me the White House was gone, the Capitol was gone, the um, Pentagon was gone, and I was like, What? And it all sounded so absurd. And then I watched Turn on the News and Skip Class. I mean, it was canceled for a few days, but watched all of that mess for days because then it turned into anthrax attack and then it turned into we're going to go to war with Af- Afghanistan it was months actually years when you clump it in with Iraq of just like the repercussions of that one day were you, you have yeah. years of implications were you it. guys you guys didn't have class for a few days they canceled the next day wow like you know we still had class that same day oh, A&M, no, they all that day. good old boy a&m we were like i had one professor who's like we're not gonna let them win and this was like some uber liberal music teacher um but he was like but this is if we stop going to class then, then they win the terrorists win. oh my god yeah where what was where were you yes yeah, so oh, i was in college and i remember i went to class that morning so we would all go to the computer lab in the petroleum building like between classes so i went in checked my email and i was about to leave and go to class and one of the girls she goes oh my god i just saw something on the news they think one of the world trade centers was hit by an air or a world the world one of the world trade centers was hit by an airplane and they think it might be they don't know think it was an accident it's like that's weird 
So go to one hour class, get out of the class, and it's like everything had happened. Yeah. And we're like, holy shit. And so same. I think our classes were definitely canceled that day, and I think one or two days following. And that was my very first time every building you went into. So the buildings were open. You know, they just didn't have class. But that entire week, every building you went into – because at that time, you know, they had TVs on the stands. Like, no, yep. there weren't no any wall right. TVs. It was like... On the carts. Yeah. Yep. Every building you went into, every TV in the building was out in public areas, and it was on 24-7. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. No, that's... For uh, a week, the whole week. That, uh, yeah, I was... I remember hearing about it on the radio. Like, I woke up uh, to go to work. I was working at the cafeteria, driving to work, and I'm just hearing about this on the yep. radio. And it's like, well, what is happening? And I, I do remember, too, driving home from class that day, so, like, after school... Um, this is like small town, Montana, we're safe, whatever. But like, I have never in my entire life growing up ever had to wait for a gas pump. It's like every gas pump Mm -hmm. had like tons of cars waiting to get gas. And they were price gorging, price gouging. What is it? Gouging. 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 (laughs) Engorging. Um, yeah. And a lot of them got in trouble for that because they took advantage of the, the supply was not low. They were just like, oh, people are panicking. So we're yeah. going jack it out. Jack it up. But I remember it was like went up to, oh, my God, 122, I think it was. <laughs> At the time. The headline, gas was, gas was 122 on September 12th. Yeah, there was lots of rumors at A&M that you know, we were a target because we had the George H.W. Uh, Bush library there. I was like, come on, guys. This is not. Well, so we have like, it's the largest Superfund site in America. It's this huge open pit mine that's now filled with acidic water, basically. Same. I was like, oh, my God, we're a target. If they bomb that dam, it would flood the whole city. I'm like, 30,000 people? <laughs> so here we are at uh, 903, right? The, the South Tower is hit. And 908, uh, the FAA bans all takeoffs to New York City. So right now, they're, you know, the country's thinking this is isolated to New York City. Uh, and then at 921, uh, bridges and tunnels in New York City are ordered closed. Uh, and then at 924... The FAA notifies, again, NORAD, the, the defense sector group, uh, that is, there's a suspected hijacking of uh, American Airlines Flight 77. Again, that's the one that's taken off from Dulles. Uh, at 9.31, George W. Bush calls the attacks in New York apparent terrorist attack on our country. And then at 9.37, American Airlines Flight 77 hits the Pentagon. So then D.C. is under attack. Uh, then... At 942, you've got the FAA grounds all flights. For, so this is the first time this ever happened in the history of the country. All flights are, um, that are bound, that are over the U.S. and bound for the U.S. are, are ordered grounded. Uh, and you've got nearly four and a half, uh, four, 4.5 thousand flights overall are guided to land in, in Canada and U.S. over a two and a half period. So you think about the logistics of that, like that's yeah. crazy. Uh, and that 2,000 people landed in Canada. Yeah. Newfoundland. Oh, Newfoundland. <laughs> the, the, the place that probably rarely gets heard of, Newfoundland. Like 300 people wow. there. Yeah. So, I mean, it, like the, the whole, again, the globe was impacted by this at 940, because you're going into these big hubs, right? DC and New York City, which are yeah. these places that, and, and then the whole country. And they had the ground wherever they were. It's not like, oh, your destination's DC, right. go there. It's like, which is why a lot of the closest airport. Which is a lot of flights that were coming from overseas got rerouted to Canada. So you're not yeah. coming to the U.S. Uh, so then at 9:45, you've got the White House and the Capitol evacuated. Uh, and 9:59, the South Tower collapsed. And then this 
all oh, at 10:07 rather uh, United Airlines 93 crashes in Pennsylvania that's the one uh, that was uh, supposedly Purpose. headed to I guess um, to DC to mm-hmm. hit the Capitol uh, and it was taken down by uh, passengers uh, so that flight is uh, crashed in Pennsylvania and then this all ends so over a, a 102 minute period so an hour and a half uh, at 10:28, North Tower collapses. Of course, this doesn't end, but I mean, the, in terms of the attacks and all the ramifications um, that are happening in that event, um, and in a matter of an hour and a half, like I said, you go from the first uh, plane hitting the North Tower to it collapsing at 9:28 uh, a.m. that uh, that morning on September 11th. So, I mean, I I mean that's a, an event that I'm never going to forget. Um, yep. But uh, what I wanted to do is like not just kind of retell the story because we all remember kind of where we were. But you know there was a uh, a few members, not a few. There were several members of the LGBT member of uh, the LGBT community that were um, a part of this, and some noteworthy folks that have been uh, highlighted and stories have been told and documentaries uh, have been have been made about some of these folks. So I'll start with the first one. Uh, so that's Father Michael Judge. So he was a uh, uh, member uh, or priest serving at St. Francis of Assisi Church in Manhattan. He was also a chaplain to the New York Fire Department. Uh, so he was known because he ministered to the hungry, to the poor, to alcoholics. And most significantly, he was someone who uh, did outreach to folks with AIDS uh, and the LGBT community, which, again, if you're a Catholic priest, that's not normally something that, that you're doing, especially you're thinking about in the 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. Um, he died while giving last rites to a, a fallen firefighter as he knelt down debris so that the towers mm. were crashing and debris uh, crashed down and, and killed him. He is believed to be gay. Uh, he was never at, like he was out, but he wasn't like an out out person. But people that knew him, yeah. uh, familiar with him, uh, knew he, he was gay. Um, I mean, he, folks that were familiar with him claim he was neither out nor closeted. Um, and again, another noteworthy thing in terms of his outreach to the LGBT community that he was, he presided over funerals during the AIDS crisis when no one else was doing that. Like no other Catholic priests were really yeah, He was doing good that. friends with Rudy Giuliani and, and that was the funeral Rudy Giuliani finally broke down in. Because, you know, he was, felt like he had to be strong for days mm-hmm. for the whole city. And then at his funeral, he's just like really? weeping uncontrollably. And had to sit down. Of course, the news media played that over and over again. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were so close that it kind of, that's when it hit him. Yeah. The enormity of it all. He so, had time to realize it. So Giuliani was there. Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton were at his funeral as well. Um, Bill Clinton noted at the funeral, we should lift, uh, we should lift his life up as an example of what we, what has to prevail. We have to be more like Father Mike than the people who killed him. Uh, Father Mike was actually, he's the first declared victim of the, the 9-11 attacks at Ground Zero. So he's victim 0001. Oh, so, get out. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's, uh, so that's Michael Judge. Another person that was part of the event, I'd say a significant uh, part of, of 9-11, was David, what do we say, Charlebois? His name? Charlebois. Uh, Charlebois. So David Charlebois was an American. He was uh, an American Airlines co-pilot. So he was on the plane that crashed into the Pentagon. Uh, he was known for being a strong advocate uh, for domestic partner benefits at at uh, at American Airlines. He marched with the National Gay Pilots Association at the Millennium March on Washington uh, back in the 90s and advocated, like I said, for domestic partner benefits in the airline industry, which was a big deal at the time. Because if you think about, and Kendall, maybe you can speak to this. Um, 
he was a pilot, a gay pilot, and gay and the pilot culture is not one to be really at least in the late 90s, early 2000s, to, to be this one day. To and be, Thomas says, sure, maybe yeah. I can speak to this because I was a flight, flight attendant, attendant for yeah. close to 10 years. But it's one of the industries that's still very, a woman's place is bringing me coffee. And yeah. They recruit a lot of pilots from the military. And pilots are disproportionately male. So you have the two men in the cockpit that are obviously in charge. I mean, captain and first officer. And then you have what's, a traditionally feminine role of the women in the back serving yeah. and the gays in the back serving. So it still feels very sexist to me. Yeah. So to in early 2001 to be going outside that realm and to be gay and be open about it is a big deal even to this day because these are old, old Ex- ex-military often. captains sitting in a cockpit, you know, shoulder to shoulder because those are tiny cockpits with a gay man. Yeah. yeah. Most of them are not comfortable with that. Yeah. Let's be honest, Rowling. I mean, he was known to be a fun-loving, friendly, proud gay man uh, until until the time he, he passed and, and uh, the crash there into the Pentagon on, on 9-11. The last person I, I want to talk about, though, uh, is Mark Bingham. Uh, he was en route. Uh, well, he was coming back from what the— What was his middle name? Uh, Kendall. What? I didn't yeah. even know. I just happened to ask yeah. that. I'm sure. He was establishing a new office on the East Coast for his uh, California-based public relations firm. So he was running his own firm, the Bingen Group. Uh, he was a successful and adventuresome executive, uh, and he traveled uh, for both work and pleasure. He was known to, for, to be a rugby, rugby champion. I can say that, rugby champion, uh, at the University of California, Berkeley. Uh, and he was a valued teammate on his uh, rugby teams, the San Francisco Fog Ruby Football Club. Uh, on the morning of September 11th, he actually overslept and nearly missed his flight, and he was the last passenger to board the plane. Uh, and on on the flight, Flight 93, that was you know, going to San Francisco, he called his mom and said, Mom, I want to tell you that I love you, and I'm on the flight from Newark to San Francisco. Uh, three guys have taken over the plane, and they say they have a bomb. And so he was known to be a competitive athletic man and based on the tapes he's one, believed to be one of the men that charged the cockpit and helped fight the terrorists aboard flight 93 that was heading to the, to the capital hmm. yeah so he was uh again known to be a a, a great rugby star uh he his legacy kind of lives on through the rugby community uh he has an uh a, a a championship trophy that's named after him, the Bingen Cup, which immediately after his his passing uh, was in 2002 uh, started uh, because he was such an integral part, and that the LGBT community maintains you know that is at least in the rugby community that that's a significant like they they cherish his legacy and and kind of what his heroism um, on September 11th. Uh, he's survived by his mother, and his mother says, you know, I imagine I'll be fighting for the rest of my life. Uh, until my dying day, I'll be fighting for the causes that have sprung from the smoking wreckage of Mark's death. Uh, so, you know, again, I, you know, we all know where we were in the events of September 11th, but I, what I wanted to do today was just kind of highlight, you know, these folks in the LGBT community that that uh, really played a part in, in in the events that happened on 9-11. That is interesting because, I mean— I had never even thought about, oh, I wonder how many gay people died or what their role was or whatever. But, I mean, those people had significant roles in, Mm -hmm. you know, what happened. Especially Mark, who, 
from what I remember, so they used a drink cart, an airplane drink cart, to smash through the cockpit door. Um, they've since still reinforced those doors, so that wouldn't work today. Reinforced it to keep hijackers out. But he was on that cart, kind of organizing the other men to go and... They knew they were... I mean, if you're going to kill the hijacker who's piloting the plane and the pilots are dead, you know you're going to die. You're going down. It's almost like yep. we're going to sacrifice ourselves because they were getting reports. They were low enough. That it was the last plane, from what I remember, to go down. Yep. And they were getting reports from loved ones because they were low enough to call they were, people they were talking to people, yeah. Like I said, he called his mom. And you have that one thing where the guy called... Uh, let, you know, they overheard him saying, let's roll, right? It yeah. wasn't, wasn't Mark Bingham, but yeah. Um, but... So they knew they were going to die. And for them, it was a matter of, well, we have to take the plane down so it doesn't fly into another yeah, building. Yeah, it was very heroic, yeah. yeah. But here it is, a, a gay man, and people stereotype gay men as yeah. not yeah. being Fe- rugby femi- players yeah, yeah. for Feminine, one. Yeah. And not volunteering to push a cart through a cockpit to kill a hijacker. So you had this kind of um, anti-stereotype of what a gay man is. Yeah. Well, that was... Uh, so these just happened to be a true action hero basically these folks that were highlighted uh, you know were all from the uh, a piece from the advocate uh where, where they were highlighting people so there were other or other stories but I, again i thought these were kind of yeah. the most most kind of critical to the to 9-11 well, there were many 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 gays yeah, that died yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know it's interesting like when you were talking about the father and he went to ground zero to give last rites and ended up losing his life i mean this is a story for a different day but a couple weeks ago i watched a documentary on the pulse nightclub and um, one of the big questions there is why did the police stay outside and not go in there for hours when they could have saved, you know. And um, one of these ladies, she was a cop. She wasn't on duty or whatever, but she was a cop. And, and she said, she goes, they should have went in there faster. Yeah. Well, she yeah. Said, yeah. And it's your so, job to. Yeah, exactly. And she, like, yeah, she said it's your job and there's all these questions. Why didn't you? Were you afraid or whatever? But that is your job. And so the fact that like this gay man who was the priest. And was it like, wasn't. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to ground zero. Give last rites. I mean, naturally, like these buildings are melting and shit's fallen and even, you know, the fumes and stuff like yep. that. And so the fact that he went there and was like, I'm going to do this yeah. and lost his own life. I mean, what, I mean, we we probably don't appreciate any of this today in 2019 in terms of the the aspects of the the, the sense of community and unity that we felt and, and and you know at the time of 9/11. I mean, especially in New York City, you think about the you know the gay community. I mean, they weren't necessarily embraced, right? And we'll talk about Ellen a little bit with some of the stuff that was going on in her. Like, she's an example of how things weren't easy for gay people if you were out. And so uh, New York City, I mean, we're in the late 90s. Well, we're in 2001, right? So we're still kind of reeling. The community is still reeling from the AIDS crisis. Uh, but when, uh, there was one quote about kind of the 9-11 and the, the aftermath, like in, in the days after, uh, where one guy was saying, it was the greatest thing that I've ever been a part of in ages. It wasn't about a gay person or a straight person or a financial person or an artist. There were little women in nuns' outfits standing next to gym bunnies in tight shorts, and we were all pitching in together. And, you know, that's, a, again, a sentiment, yeah. a, a part of community that we – we had a night, you know, on September. Yeah, I think the whole country came together, yeah. And unfortunately, we don't have any of that now. So, uh, and, I, you know, the sad thing is it took that big tragic event for us to, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't say we were that apart, but I I just hope it, it's not another 9 Well, there event. is danger, though, to that mentality because they hushed a lot of dissent. You know, in hindsight, 
we say Hillary didn't get the nomination in 2008 because she voted to go into the Iraq War. But I tell you what, she never would have been reelected as senator if she had voted not to go in the Iraq right. War. It was groupthink. Oh, oh at yeah. that time, I mean, it was – everybody was like, let's get those fuckers. Right. So I that mean, whole yep. let's be unified or else is actually very I mean, dangerous. again, I was a boy in College Station, Texas, A&M, pro. But my question was, like, why did this happen? Like, you, what did we do to – You know to, what's funny? Th- like – I feel like being an American at the time, everybody was just like, and I had one of my classmates, she was from Canada and she was old. I, you know, we were all like in our, you know, she was like 24 and y'all were 22. No, she was probably like late twenties, but she said it was probably a couple weeks after this, um, when it was like, okay, let's go into Afghanistan and everything. She said, she goes, it's so interesting to me how like, everybody's attitude is like, let's go get those fuckers, you know? Yeah. And it just, everybody thinks that. There's not one person that is like, oh, let's think about this. Well, I mean, so, well, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at Kendall. I'm like, oh, no, here we go. I'm not going to but, but, no, but, my, but my point is, like, I remember, again, being at A&M, which is mm-hmm. 85, 90% white, right? Here I am, you know, they're like, Aghast. Like, it's kind how of could militaristic this ever, institution. Yeah, how yeah. could this ever happen to the United States? I'm like, well, what did we do wrong? As a minority, right, you realize like things always haven't been perfect, right? So oh, yeah. what did we do to piss people off bad enough that they wanted to come uh, attack us? And, and I'm not excusing anything. Like what those terrorists did, they were terrorists. They're awful people. They, uh, they attacked America, right? But they felt for some reason mm-hmm. a, like compelled to do something Based on something like they didn't just ordinate like no, it was our and, way of life. They felt we were very showy, right. we had bad morals, and yeah. so and and uh, I guess my point to f- friends who were willing to listen to me, I'm like, well, what did we do? Like, why did this just? Ha- it didn't just happen out of nowhere, right? It's, right. So it's not Pearl Harbor, right, where people we just got attacked. Like there was some motivation, and those folks have been coming after us for a while. And again, none of it's excusable. The United States is, is I wouldn't say at fault, but we do have to look in the mirror and be like, well, so what was going on that? Yeah. I mean, we are very arrogant, materialistic culture. And yeah. I think However, just... the people that the Taliban murder people simply for being gay. Right. Yeah, they murder or people. For, you know they what I mean? Less so, than, yeah, 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 yeah. They're anti, uh, anti-LGBT, anti-women, like oh, yeah, anti-Christianity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it, yeah, they're not, they're not good by any means. But no. I'm like, yeah. I, I do think anytime something happens, it's not just a reaction, which is the male machismo thing to do, the America, the America thing to do, just to go and, and, and fight back. But it's like, okay, well, for, um, I, I guess I'm too... I'm not going to say I'm smart, but I, I, I'm too much in my head to be like, well, what happened? Let's diagnose the situation. You know what's there. interesting? So, you know, after 9-11, I graduated that next year, worked offshore for four years. And a lot of the offshore rigs, the TVs are playing the country music videos. And, like, there's a lot of, like, like Toby Keith has a few songs that are very, you know, like, let's go get. Th- it's about the war. There were a lot of country music songs about the war. And at the time, it just seemed like, yeah, this is normal. This is what everybody's thinking. Now, I kind of hear some of those songs, and I'm like, damn. Like, Well, it wasn't that long after 9-11 that, that – I mean, so we, we were unified, and then I right. would say by a year later, maybe 2003, yeah. right, a year and a half. But we now I just look the, back at those songs, and I'm like, God, they're so aggressive and so, oh, America's so perfect, right. you know. But this, and it's like, mm. yeah. The yeah. split started to happen in 2000. I mean, I'm not going to blame. 9-11 isn't the reason we have Donald Trump, but it's like that George, uh, 
W. Bush mentality after 9-11 was you're either with us or against us. Yeah. You know, if you, if you. He also said, don't take this out on the entire Muslim community. He did say that. But the mentality in this 2004 reelection was based on like, if you're not with America, you're not with, you're not, you're, if you're not with. America, you hate. Um, well, if you if you're not with us, you hate America and you hate God, and that's basically what it was, right? Yeah. And so that's kind of the the I I think what I remember and the aftermath of all of that, and um, not to kind of dilute what happened on 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 nine eleven because that was a s- significant event. Like I said, I, I will remember it forever, uh, and it was a tragic event and you know something very sad and and they did uh, have history. a interfaith at what Yankee Stadium interfaith ceremony. Of all religions, I mean, they got religions I ain't even heard of up in there on that stage. And guess who hosted it? Hello? Oprah. Oh, she did. Oh, geez. Oprah. Listen to this segue. Listen to this segue, guys. So my growing up, my all okay, okay. uh, I was like, okay. so now we are I done like talking about nine eleven to go talk about. So our I next like topic. To start every topic with an Oprah reference. Okay. So growing up, my like the person I would, I feel like Oprah was kind of like raised to me after my parents because she babysat me when I got home and never yeah. watched her show and, you know, oh, learned about so much stuff. Poor kid. So all these oh, little God. children, the, the children of America don't know um, what it's like to have the Oprah, but I think that no one will ever feel Oprah's size 12 shoes, but... Does um, she really wear a size twelve? I don't know. I just oh, made up. I was shoot. like, "Wow, that's a big, that's a, a big ass <laughs> foot, Oprah, go girl." But the closest to that would be Ellen. Oh, Ellen's hey, talk show. there we are. Um, and Ellen's been on. This is her sixteenth season. She started September eighth, two thousand three, and she's the closest thing to an Oprah that we have now. I feel so. Just to kind of tie it back to like the nine eleven thing, I feel like she was one of those like breath of fresh airs, like like. It was like uh, things are starting to feel normal because we went through the latter part of 2001 and 2002 being like, what the frick happened? No, 2003 was not normal. That was when we went into Iraq. But we were looking for some sense of like, can't we just be happy like the country was? And I think Ellen kind of helped fill that. She did. Her show took off and she was um, her little stand up. Bless you, Spencer. Opening. The intern sneezed and it just threw me off. I was thinking about Oprah. We got to record this thing all over again. Uh, So she starts with her monologue and then she does her dancing. The world is introduced to awkward lesbian dancing, but it's cute. Does she she still dance? Oh yeah, she did say that. She said that in her uh, comedy stand-up, like she was like, "I was known for that." Well, she's like, "God dang it! I started that first episode dancing." She's like, "I thought it was fun." She's like, and then I kept doing it, and she's like, "Now I have to do it all the time." And she does that weird thing where she straddles a coffee table. And she like dances over it, and then on one season on April Fool's Day, they switched it out with the, the exact same coffee table, but it was just a little bit bigger. And, and then she, she got stuck going halfway through, so she had to put her leg up on the coffee table. I'm like, she can't spread her legs that far. Mm. <laughs> Pillow lesbian. She had an episode with Pillow Princess with, 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 with Will with Will Smith recently when he was promoing Aladdin, and they had a lot of. Uh, sexual innuendos more than I'd ever seen her do, and they were like, because he would, she, he had, because he played the genie, right? He had this lamp in front of him. It's like, oh, let's rub the lamp. She's like, I haven't rubbed her lamp like that in a long time, and so they kept going on. She gets cute with it, yeah, but she can do that now because she had a hell of a time in the '90s, yeah, um, which I think was cool. Like to your point, like I, uh, you know, she hasn't always been able to be 
an out like yes she was always a lesbian even when her talk show started but she wasn't really able to talk about it now she she totally embraces it well it's to me her impact is not because she's a lesbian talk show host it's because she was such a pioneer coming out the way she did which i'll get into that the fact that she's even on tv at all much less having the highest rated talk show going on soon to be 17 years is amazing because her coming out was tied to my coming out story you came out because of ellen well we'll get there sweetie this is a four-part episode this day in lgbt history kendall came right. out <laughs> so ellen was popular before she even got her own show in 1994 the ellen show the ellen it's, it was a sitcom but she in 1984 she's from metairie by the way which is a suburb of new orleans i knew she was yeah metairie, new orleans. New orleans. Yep. and she worked she had odd jobs she went to university of new orleans for less than a semester and then she worked at like jc Penney's and i think pizza hut and Oh, no, it was not pizza, TGI Fridays. I just have pizza on my mind because I'm on this huge diet, losing so much weight right now. Get a celery stick. You're, I think you've just, just since the podcast started, you must have dropped like five pounds. Oh, absolutely. This is why I'm dragging this podcast out. The pounds are just flying off. So she had odd jobs, and then she started doing um, stand-up at the same time. And in 1984, had, she was on this little reality competition, which was rare at the time, on Showtime. Uh, America's Funniest Comedian, and she won. Get out. And she said that was one of the worst career things to ever happen to her because you're basically the world's funniest, named the world's funniest person, or America. It was America, but she said the world's funniest person. And now, welcome to the stage, the funniest person on earth. And she's like, that's hard to live up to. Yeah. So you're almost like setting yourself to, to disappoint people. But she won that in 1984. Her huge break... And how people didn't know she was a lesbian, if you watch, find her on YouTube in 1986 when she was on the Johnny Carson show. <laughs> and it was a huge deal to be invited if Johnny, he either liked you or he didn't in stand-up. And if he invited you to the couch to sit with him afterwards, it was a huge deal. She was the first comedian to be invited over. Wow. She had a mullet, bless her heart. And uh, I know, I was going to say, the hair always gave it away. Pants. Jacket with shoulder pads. Yeah. All that style's come back. Tony's sitting over here right now. He's wearing it. That's why I got my Golden Girls. <laughs> that's why it looks like Dorothy. <laughs> He's got his Dorothy wig on. The next time we find an angle to talk about the Golden Girls, I'm going to talk about well, shoulder you pads. Seem to find a way. Your uh, drag name is Dorothy Montana. I want to be Sophia if I DM, because you're sliding in that DM. <laughs> All the boys are sliding in that Dorothy Montana. That <laughs> okay, anyway, so back to Oprah by way of Ellen. So she, um, in 1986, she did this whole shtick. It's actually very clever and cute where she calls God and has this long conversation. She, she's used to, go ahead. She brings it up all the time. Yeah. And then God turns out to be a woman. And then she looks over and Johnny Carson invites her over. And she didn't think that she wouldn't be invited over. So she was kind of shocked. And you could tell cause she didn't say much, but he said that was some clever, that was some really clever stuff. Is that your Carson? I think he's adorable. I think he's as cute as Bernie Sanders. Oh, Carson. Jesus. Oh, please. Johnny Carson. I don't know. I don't like him because he just oozes like oh he was old a jerk in real life. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, so stall. Talk about Blanche because I lost my train of thought. Hurry. So Ellen wore this jacket. Shoulder pad. Shoulder pad. <laughs> shoulder pad. <laughs> okay. That was a funny like segment though. She didn't, but she has brought that god up because my favorite Ellen and it's gonna I'm gonna break into your timeline here, Kendall. But she did. It was in before she got the Ellen Show and uh, it was her first big comeback. Uh, she did a stand-up 
like an HBO special. And that's, that's the word I'm looking for. She did an HBO special. At what the is it you're talking about? Uh, early 2000s before she Yes, I'll get to that. Thank you. But my favorite joke from that is, can I tell my favorite joke from it? It's probably no point in stopping you now. Well, she gets to the end, does the God stick, and and she's like, she's like, whenever she had talked about Gloria Stefan early on, um, whenever whenever you've like uh, get in a conversation and you're like you zone out and you're not paying attention, she's like always bring up Gloria Stefan, and so she said that she gets to the end, she's like, I'm calling God, blah blah blah, and I tell God, I ask God about all these wonderful things, and then God says, so do you know there's a new Gloria Stefan? album out and then she ends it with come on baby let me do that conga that's how the like the song plays at the uh, end so it's great her stand-up is funny and she's known for being like clean family friendly have you watched her latest stand-up like uh is she it? just has a netflix special that came out this year oh no it's funny i guess like, i'm not that much clean. of a fan okay but anyways are you back on track so in 86 um that was her big breakout and she started getting some work but she was on a few sitcoms that failed, um, not her own yet, but she was like considered the, the star of it. Um, and they put her in a few pilots, but finally she got her own sitcom called The Ellen Show, or just Ellen, actually, yeah. um, in 1994. It was popular. It was good. And her sense of humor, they, kind of, they called it she was the female Seinfeld. But the writers and producers like, you never date anybody. Like, this Let's show think, has yeah. no theme. You're just being goofy with friends. Like, you have no love life. So they wrote, the next season, we're going to give you a puppy. It's going to be called the puppy episode. And Ellen was like, are you serious? We're building up to me getting a puppy. Can I just come out of the closet? Because <laughs> Ellen was not, she was dating girls. She was, like, not in the public eye. It was a career ender. Yeah. Because there had never been an Ellen. So she was secretively dating women. Can I can I just uh, throw an aside on that show? She had Me- Megan Mullally on her show recently, uh, and Megan Mullally was like, you know, we've known each other since the like early '80s or late '80s, early '90s, and she's like, I used to go over to your place, and you would always have these roommates, these female roommates. She's like, oh yeah, oh my gosh. She's like, Ellen is always so friendly with these. They'd get dogs together. She's like, I never knew you were a lesbian. She was like, what did you did think? Did she was really going not? Yeah. She was just like, oh my gosh. I mean, she knew, obviously, later, but... Right, yeah. But at the time, yeah. So they planned this puppy episode to be a big episode of Ellen getting a puppy, and I guess now she'll have a reason to live. In 96, for the 90... <laughs> for the 97 season. Um, Wait, and rumors so started... 97 episode. They were having these... In 96, mm. Ellen was like, can I just come out of the closet? That's bigger than getting a puppy. She getting a cat. <laughs> okay, she yeah. getting a kid. Get a cat. Um... So they're like, okay, but they kept the puppy episode on the books. It's kind of like, we don't know if we're really going to do this. So they still called it the puppy episode that we're going to do, episode 22 and 23 next season. They had to have negotiations with Disney because it was on ABC and Disney owned. And it was this back and forth. And finally, Disney approved for her to come out of the closet. Hmm. Um, That's rich. Yeah, it was a huge deal because right, yeah. we're going to lose sponsors and mm-hmm. people aren't going to watch and all that. And then Disney announced on March 3rd, 1997, that indeed her character would be coming out because they kind of, there was all the speculation because rumors, there had been leaked rumors that, oh my God, her character is going to come out, that Disney had to announce <laughs> with a press release and make a big deal that, 
okay, guys, just to warn you. you yeah, because they probably didn't out. want, like, people having their kids watch. Like, some people are probably like, I don't want my kids watching that if she's coming out. Exactly. Yeah. And then the questions were, okay, well, is Ellen's character coming out? Or is, is she, Ellen coming yeah. out? Are they both coming out? So it was all the speculation. Um, and in April 14th, 1997, one of the most famous Time magazine covers of all time has Ellen doing a little tiny baby lesbian pose. And it's, the headline says, yep, I'm gay. And it was huge. It was all over the news. Was she the first person to do that? I th- well, I'm what do you mean, sorry. Like, She's the first the, lesbian. Ever. Yeah. But no man. Like Mary Magdalene, I think. There hadn't been like. Ways. She was a prostitute. There hadn't but, been a. But to be a, on Times like Magazine time, like to say, big, like, I'm gay. Yeah, I don't think so. They had gay topics, but not a specific celebrity person. Like, yeah. coming, out. like coming out like them. You were really testing my research. No, no, I was just like. That seems I, to be I, the theme. It used to be naps. You Are just, you a fact checker? You could have just said yes. Jesus. Um, so April 14th, 1997, uh, the time magazine came out and the episode that they still kept the name, the puppy episode that had nothing to do with puppies to that day. That episode's called that. Yeah. To this day. Yeah. Wow. Um, was her coming, her, her coming out episode was episode 22 and 23 of that season. And they, it's still called the puppy episode two, one and two. So that happened on. April 30th, 1997, and people had viewing parties all over. There were, of course, boycotts. But on that same day, guess who showed? She was also on Tony. The Golden Girls. Oprah Winfrey. (laughs) (laughs) The Golden Girls is already over by then. He wasn't paying attention. (laughs) If he's not paying attention, you say Tony, he just yells out. (laughs) You could have said anything else. But the Golden Girls. <laughs> We're done this? with that. We will Sorry, never bring Sorry, he's on Grinder. What is with all this fact checking today? <laughs> okay. Anyway, so he was. She was on Oprah to talk I'm about. I'm teasing my friend about mo- his new boyfriend. This momentous yes. uh, lesbian event, and I remember watching that because I watched it every day, Oprah every single day, um, until her show died. But the people on that show, it created such emotion, and the people. Because Oprah would basically say, what do you think about lesbian coming out? And most of the audience was hateful to her. And people were crying. How can you do this to our children? Our children don't need to see this. And in hindsight, it's just, it's almost like this woman who's coming out for millions of millions of people. Like she's being crucified. And Oprah was, had her back, of course, because Oprah's perfect. Oprah, Oprah is perfect. But Oprah was also on that episode, like the coming of the puppy episode, as her therapist, because Oprah is perfect. And Oprah was like helping her come out. And Oprah later said that she had never gotten so much hate mail, death threats, as her being on that episode of Ellen coming out. It was like a huge deal. I remember like being in, you know, living in small town Montana when that happened. And I like... Every single person was either like they hated her or like what a freak she was. I mean, there wasn't one person that was like, who cares if she's a lesbian? Not one. I never don't remember one person in my hometown being like, oh, who cares? She's a lesbian. Well, she was a punchline for all. I mean, I had made jokes similar like, oh, you're, don't be an Ellen or you're an Ellen. Like that. That was the I mean, and late night had a field day with Ellen when she came out. I came out her okay, friend. So when Ellen. The backlash to Ellen, which was so huge that people forget about now because she's the happy woman on TV. 
I thought, well, I can never come out of the closet now because look how they're treating this yeah, exactly. nice yeah, yeah. woman that's never been mean. Her whole shtick is that she's the yeah, nice she's, comedian. Yeah, she's not mean. I was 15 when that show came on, and I came out at 15, and part of it was because it was like, I, I just need Fuck to this. do this. Yeah. You know, it's not. it doesn't seem to be getting any better, but I'm just going to, I'm not going to be miserable. So I, I came out right at the time, not long after, just months after the whole Ellen thing. And it was partly because, man, these people, not so much El- if Ellen can do it, I can do it too. But it was like, they have trashed this woman. Yeah. It's, this is reality. It's never going to yeah, get Yeah, and like better, people probably, were like disgusted so by her show out. and everything. You're and like, I'm if like, this popular woman listen, can't be. The two episodes, this two-parter puppy episode, had a parental advisory. You you may not want your kids to watch this well, you because think, it dealt with homosexuality. I mean, you, you joked one time like, Oh, Ellen thinks we all owe her for her, uh, for, you know, everyone being gay. But I mean, what you just described, she's I mean, a pioneer. We do sure. owe her a lot. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, she had, a, cause go, she's the one that took the initial backlash. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, 42 million people watched yet. She still lost sponsors. The, audience dropped off so much after that because of the controversy i mean they were just watching to see the lesbian come out 42 yeah. freaking million people unheard of more like, than in california um and the next she couldn't even last one more season she was canceled the next season well and i remember them saying well after that she made her whole show every episode was about nothing but being a lesbian and it's like throwing in her face why do you have to throw it in her face yeah <laughs> oh that that old line uh, that's always a fun line. Just don't be. So her career was ruined, and Laura Dern was on that episode as a guest star, and she mm-hmm. said because she was supportive of Ellen and did that show as a friend, she didn't get work for almost two years. Thank goodness she's come back as uh, oh Renata. Renata. On, oh. Why can't I remember the name of that amazing Big Little show? Lies? Yes, Renata. You so love Renata. Ellen was out of work for a while. They tried to bring the show back, called the Ellen Show, kind of like a. It's Ellen, but they have a new cast. It didn't even last one season. It was canceled in the middle of the season. And her big comeback was the 2003 HBO special. So this happened in 97. She was out of work for like six, six seven, yeah. years. I mean, imagine that. Though. It's like She's thinking, like, I have no... I mean, because I... And as when a, that happened, she didn't know it was going to be six years. She thought it might be forever. Like, as you a... Know? Right. Uh, like Which that's is the reason of not coming out. Because as a comedian, you're... Or in entertainment, you're constantly like you're hustling for your next job. But yeah. So the fact that she was even like, if you're good and everything's good, yeah. yeah, because you don't fit the part. I mean, she wasn't doing movies. She did. She did a movie. She did uh, the movie. Finding that Nemo I, like, was their biggest one. Ever. Well, she did a Finding Nemo in between that, but she also did a movie which, which was really I I think ahead of its time. At the I mean, it's not a great movie, but it was starring Matthew McConaughey. It was a. Uh, um, did she play a straight person? Well, she was kind of in. She didn't really d- reveal her sexuality, but she was. It was a. Uh, she played. She was a producer. They were Matthew McConaughey was on a reality TV show, so they were following him with the camera. And so at the end, she's kind of the hero because she was like, "I'm gonna let this shit go." Like, I'm gonna let it because Matthew McConaughey was kind of caught in this. Like, I can't. I'm. I'm tired of my life because his life was going to shit. He's like, I'm tired of this being filmed, and they called. Like, she finally let. She was the one. The reason he could get out of his contract or whatever. Oh, okay, yeah. But yeah, but that was like in 99, 2000. So she had a couple of spots. But I mean, yeah. when you're an actor, major, like yeah. if you've got no one coming after you, like, because she you, said she was broke. You listen to these actors, they're always like, at least I'm employed. I have a job. So I'm thankful. And when the, a series ends like that, they're like, I, 
I'm yeah. unemployed. She, she was never going to work again. Yeah. And now when I see her like clips, because she's all over the internet, because she does a lot of cute stuff, especially yeah. her. You can't turn on Facebook without seeing a montage of her scaring celebrities out of the Oh my box. gosh, that's so funny. You watch that every single How many times have day. I made you watch it and I made Spencer Twice watch it? today. Like, that's, I make anyone who would like come over, I would make my mom and sister, they'd come and visit to, in Virginia. I'm like, we're going to do a YouTube night in like 45 minutes. It's just going to be Ellen scaring people. But did it? And he's elicit? always like, you got to pay attention. You got to pay attention. <laughs> did it elicit giggles? You got to watch oh, yeah. Jennifer Lopez. But anyway, every time I see her little clips, because I don't have cable, but you can't turn on your phone without seeing her. I think, good for her. Good yeah. for her. Good for her. Good for you. Because it was a dark time. Yeah. And I'm most thankful that she allowed me to use her to bring up Oprah. Exactly. Especially after such a somber topic as 9-11. Uh, Oprah unified us again, girl. During, uh, during uh, when Oprah was on and Ellen was on, were they the competing were for... Like, was Oprah still winning the Emmys? In 2003. Uh, Oprah won so many Emmys that she took her... Well, first of all, The Ellen Show has been nominated for 61 daytime Emmys. No way. But when Oprah started, she was winning all of the Emmys. She was snatching all the trophies to where she took herself out of the category. So there was never like a... Which I think was somewhat of a prideful thing because Rosie O'Donnell at the time, when she took herself out of the category around 98... Rosie O'Donnell's talk show was the big thing. So she makes it look like, I want other people to be able to win, but somebody was on her heels. Uh, I, w- okay. I wonder, though, the guy, so when, when Ellen's show started, I was like, is she going to be the next Rosie? Because Rosie started as the queen of nice, right? And then she, like... Oh, she went off the deep Well, end. they were friends, though, and Ellen, before she came out, went on Rosie's Rosie. talk show. Yep. And Rosie was like, I heard a rumor about you. And Ellen was like... Oh, you heard that I'm Lebanese, and then this is before Rosie came yeah. out, and she's like, "I think maybe I'm Lebanese too." It was just whole shtick. All these innuendos. Uh, okay. But you're not coming out of the closet. You're not making us deal with it. We're showing. I'm talking as a straight person right now for the first time ever. We don't want to hear it, and you're haha, wink, wink. But it's also showing that we control you, since because it's the whole thing of why do you have to put it in my face? Uh, like, yeah. fine, be gay, but I don't want to hear about it. Like, why yeah. is it about? It ain't about you, boo. Yeah. yeah. So, if I could go back to Oprah, I even know we're talking about Ellen. Like, that's what the topic spe- is. Speaking of the Emmys, like, because in Oprah's last season, like one of her last ten episodes, she brought back the all the these talk show hosts that basically she put out of business. Uh, she was like, it was that like was Phil Donahue, uh, Ricky Lake, Sally Jesse. She was like, you guys are so great. Oh, I just want to recognize you. And it's like, woman, you put all these people <laughs> to no, shame. No, you took it that way. But I, she was gloating. But, I do feel like some of those, because I mean, Oprah, I feel always kind of takes the high road. I love how this has turned into an Oprah. No, she does like legitimate stuff. (laughs) Whereas I feel some of those people got kind of like the trashier they got, the more. Yeah. Yeah. Salacious. Yeah. Yeah. That was ratings. Now you're bringing up Blanche again. Is that what you're But no, but I I think Ellen's show's funny. Like she's a great talk show host. She has a, she has a good way to interview people. She has a good rapport. She makes people laugh. I like, that's what I think is to me the most fun. Like Oprah was a very serious interviewer. Like Ellen laughs with her guests. And like, so when I see a JLo, a Jennifer Aniston, a Gwen Stefani on the show and they're like cracking up with Ellen. Yeah. I do feel Oprah's very deep. But it was too, they, you 
two I'm, completely uh, different. Okay, I'm not trying oh, to right, take down yeah, yeah. Oprah. I'm just saying types of talk show though. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. Ellen's whole thing is I'm a comedian. We're gonna be lighthearted. And she scares listen. all those and people. And Oprah's like, I'm gonna get into you. Oprah like, can have us a, um, a makeup or episode, and the next one it will be like child rape. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'll and then like, the third episode, they'll bring that child back to get a makeover, and everything's all good. Yeah. It'll, be, it'll be like our episode. We talk about Golden Girls. We talk about Golden Girls, 9-11, Ellen. Ellen, yeah. So we, Mark Kendall Bingham. We got all, all, the, all the variety. So before we wrap up, uh, just a word to our sponsors. Are you a small business owner trying to do it all? Take marketing, for example. Nowadays, your business has to have a Facebook account, an Instagram account, a Twitter account, a LinkedIn account. Who has time to take pictures, write posts, and get them posted online, let alone like, comment, share, and respond to followers? Don't worry. Economy Works is here to help. Let the Economy Works Talent Network help you do marketing so you can grow your business. Economy Works. When we work, the, the economy, economy works. works. Find out more at economy with an I, works.com. All right, so that is our episode. I think it was um, we rode a roller coaster there, so uh, hopefully emotional roller coaster. Hopefully everyone yeah. was there. Yeah, we laughed, we cried, we laughed again. So, but thank you for listening to our podcast and kicking with us this week. A special thank you to our sound dude, Spencer. Spencer. Hey, hi, hi Spoopy. And don't forget to subscribe so you can hear future episodes. Visit our website at letstalkaboutgaystuff.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Let's Talk About Gay Stuff and on Twitter at Talk Gay Stuff. Hey, leave us a message. Leave us a review. Tell us what you think. We want to know. Give us some, I mean, hit that five-star button. We're, we're not scared of that. We, we, we welcome that. We approve. So uh, we support you. And if you don't want to do any of that in public, you can drop us a line at letstalkaboutgaystuff at gmail.com. Also give a sis, uh, give a listen. Hello, I got this. Also give a listen to our sister podcast, our Spooky Podcast, which is available now. So, uh, signing off. We're here. We're here. We're queer. He's on his phone again. Get used to it. <laughs>